1: Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is your Sunday Reset. Firecrackers are popping and lions are dancing this weekend as Asian communities across Chicagoland ring in the year of the rat with parades and events across the city. Well, we want to prepare you for the festivities in the coming weeks. So today we're talking about the history of Chicago's Chinese food scene. Now, joining me are the co-hosts of the podcast Chewing, Louisa Chu of the Chicago Tribune, and WBEZ's Monica Ing. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Jen. Welcome, Jen. Gong
2: hey Fat Choi to you. Chi futsai, yeah.
1: In translation, yeah, I mean, uh,
2: basically, make a lot of money, but also Happy New Year. Okay, <laughs>
0: essentially, Happy New Year greeting.
1: <laughs> I, I will, I will take that. Thank you, right back at you. Uh, the two of you recently presented a speech together to the Culinary Historians of Chicago. It was called "The Legitimacy and Legacy of Chinese Food in America." Monica, coming to you first. What's your perspective about the legacy of Chinese food in this country?
2: Well, you know, I, I looked at this issue because my great-great-grandfather came here at the turn of the century to start Chinese restaurants, and he had a whole bunch. And, um, you know, I've always kind of turned my nose up at Chinese-American cuisine I mean, mm-hmm. basically – food that was designed to please non-Chinese audiences, mostly. And so I, I took a look at how that evolved and why it evolved. And uh, and I, I may take my hat off to my co-host, Louisa, because hmm. she has always felt what? like this cuisine, which is now 150 <laughs> years old, at least, uh, does have legitimacy in its own right.
1: Louisa, talk about that.
0: And specifically, Monica comes from, as I've mentioned before, a Chinese-American restaurant dynasty here in Chicago. Your grandfather had Harry Eng's famous Ho Sai Gai restaurant, which is where Daily Plaza stands now. So this was a time when, you know, it was Chinese-American food, chop suey, which was a really amazing, innovative you know, invention here in this country, inspired by Chinese food, and also, but really primarily for uh, non-Chinese customers, diners, because that was who had the money. And as we talked to one of the, uh, you know, one of the founders, actually the namesake of the Chinatown Museum, he said at that time, it was primarily non-Chinese customers, because that's who had the money to be able to dine out? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was in, an incredibly innovative time. And so you of all people, Monica, I'm so glad you've come
2: around. Well, we've got the whole talk that we're going to release as, a, as an extra on our podcast uh, this week so people can hear it.
1: All right. What are some of the dishes we see that are typically part of the Lunar New Year celebrations? Being a Southern Chinese person on my mom's side, we really like to eat rice. But you'll typically
0: see a lot of dumplings And noodles. You'll see fried rice. You'll see a lot of actually sweet and savory ningo, which are the rice flour. They come in different forms like either cakes or dumplings, or you'll see little stuffed sweet balls in soup coming up. And so there's a lot of different really traditional dishes you just see coming up in the next couple of weeks as we celebrate too and spring rolls, a.k.a. egg rolls,
2: too. Well, spring rolls are a lot more delicate, and that's kind of where the whole egg roll, the big chubby uh, egg roll that you see in the United States, came from. But in spring, it's the spring festival. You know, New Year's is also called the spring festival, and you eat these sort of delicate spring rolls, which can be baked or even steamed. But also a whole fish, because Mm. you also can mean surplus. And you just eat the middle of the whole fish, keep the head and the tail on for luck. A whole chicken, again, the, the wholeness of bringing the family together at the New Year. Oranges and tangerines that I have brought you here today. That's a beautiful
1: little little tangerine there. They look like gold. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh,
2: you want to have prosperity. Also, yeah, the, with the dumplings, you can have meat filled. But also on the 15th day, you have these, uh, these rice flour dumplings with black sesame seed paste mm. inside that you have in like a warm soup.
1: Louisa, talk a little bit more about the Lunar New Year and how it's celebrated. Not just the food part of it, but mm-hmm. what other celebrations look like.
0: Well, certainly there's always been the long tradition of the big parades, the lion dance, the fireworks shows. And one of the amazing things is that we used to just have the one. And even though it's Lunar New Year, it is really very widely celebrated among the Chinese community. So you'd see these big celebrations in the historic Chinatown area on the south side of Chicago. Now, though, it's really become incorporated across the city, also on Argyle, which is ethnically Chinese, predominantly Vietnamese. But then also then you'll see celebrations at the Cultural Center, at the Art Institute, and very importantly, at the outlet mall out in the suburbs in Rosemont because shopping is also a big part of getting together with your family and then really celebrating and buying new clothes too.
2: Well, speaking of uh, the Vietnamese community, um, I, I should say that Chinese aren't the only people who celebrate the Lunar mm-hmm. New Year. Korean-Americans, Vietnamese-Americans, and the Vietnamese will eat um, tet, which is a uh, like a rice cake with stuff inside, and the uh, Korean-Americans will eat tokuk, which are these sort of rice cake uh, coins that are in a soup. Mm-hmm. And you always, you get together with family, you kowtow to your elders
1: to show them respect, and then they uh, often will hand you a little money. If people... Make Maybe haven't celebrated before Mm -hmm. and want to get a taste of some of the tradition. Where do you suggest they go around town?
0: I say check out the Chinatown Museum. They actually have a celebration that includes some lessons and some treats. And um, I think the tickets are available at a discounted price um, ahead of time. And so definitely check that out. There's actually an annual dumpling-making class at mm. Hing Restaurant in the mm. Chinatown Square Mall. It's a restaurant that's been around for uh, regional, southern-style Chinese food. and um, But they also do excellent uh, soup dumplings. Mm, they they do. And actually, that is um, also a different kind of dumpling. Not they won't be doing those kinds of dumplings. It's a little more challenging, but yeah. So there's terrific lessons that can be learned through food, not only at restaurants but some
2: of the museums too. Right here on Navy Pier on uh, Saturday, there's going to be a big um, Lunar New Year celebration right in uh, Festival Hall at the end of the pier. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I want to turn a little bit back to the Chinese food scene here in Chicago and, and just hear, you know, how it's changed over the decades. Monica, I'll come to you first.
2: Well, back about 120, 150 years ago, it was largely Chinese food for Chinese people just in the enclaves. But then when they decided to start making uh, restaurants for the, the the non-Chinese, it was, you know, chop su in chow mein. I'm actually doing a story for Curious City looking at uh, what food was like in the loop at the turn of the century.
1: Were there specific challenges uh, people faced in in trying to open the restaurant?
2: There were huge challenges. I mean, simply even getting employees, because of the Chinese Exclusion Act, which only allowed merchants diplomats and students into the country, they had a really hard time getting anyone um, to be able to work here. But once they opened up that category of merchants to include restaurateurs, suddenly mm-hmm. everybody was like, guess what? I'm a restaurateur and I've got a really nice restaurant. So you saw these beautiful restaurants like King Joy Low opening up at the turn of the century with sort of like ivory inlaid tables and three stories. Um, and so that. But that food was, you know, very very simple. Chop Suey, Chow Main, maybe a boiled chicken. But in the 60s, when you saw a real um, opening up of Chinese immigration, you saw different regional fare. You saw uh, Hunanese food, some Sichuan food. And then when there was even a greater opening up in the 80s, you started seeing more regional food. And Louisa has really been covering like even the the greater expanse of regional food. Talk
1: about that, Louisa.
2: And so now what you're
0: seeing is an influx of regional Chinese food that is really geared more for Chinese diners. Right. And, and in fact, I just had a story in the Tribune uh, online yesterday, in print today, about how the oldest restaurant in Chinatown, Wankow, which closed a couple of years ago. is Supposedly to, Al Capone used to go there, they say. Right. He supposedly had a preferred table that overlooked Wentworth Avenue, <laughs> him and his henchmen. But now tour and chef Tony Hu, who's best known for the Lao Sichuan restaurants, is opening a high-end hot pot restaurant called Shaolang mm-hmm. And that restaurant supposedly has 800 locations, primarily in China, across the world, and aggressively expanding in the United States starting this year. And that restaurant is really
1: geared for Chinese diners. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Han from North Center. Han, what's on your mind? Hi, I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that my mom used to make a dish called jai. I think it's Mm. also uh, referred to as Buddha's Delight. It's a Mm -hmm. vegetarian dish. It includes a lot of um, dried ingredients like uh, dried oysters, uh, bean curd sticks. My mom would include uh, the glass noodles. And sometimes she would include the black mushrooms, the dried uh, cloud mushrooms, so a lot of dried ingredients goes into that dish. And I also miss um, her braised duck. It's very mm. similar to chewed chew, chew duck. All right, Han, thanks for that call. We were just talking about that.
0: So jai or Thai toy just specifically means like vegetarian or vegan. It is a specific kind of category of cuisine. And actually one of the most popular ingredients in those dishes we were just discussing earlier is fat toy, which looks like black hair, quite frankly, and it is a moss, I believe, and it's actually now banned for sale officially Mm. in China because of the environmental damage it does from the harvesting. And um, one of my food writer friends in Toronto just wrote a story saying that he could still find it actually uh, in the greater Toronto area. I haven't looked for it in Chicago, um, but you can certainly find things that are called black moss, which are similar but not the same.
2: But it's a great example of the homonyms that are all a part of Chinese culture, and so uh, it sounds like fat sai or fat choy, which means make a lot of money, and so you want to eat something that sounds like make a lot of money.
1: Let's go back to the phones. We've got Alan from Edgewater. Alan, what's on your mind? Hi.
2: um, I'm originally from Singapore, and so one of the traditions that my family and I did growing up as a child was to um, enjoy doing something called yi song, or I think in Cantonese is lohai. Which is called uh, the prosperity toss salad, uh, which is a medley of like pickled and sugared candied vegetables, typically like raw salmon or or, or other type of white fish, um, and then some like fried uh, wonton skin wrappers,
1: and then you toss it all together with your family and friends at the table. And the higher you toss it, the more prosperity you're supposed to have <laughs> for the new year. So, so Monica, I don't know if ever heard of that. Monica, it looks like that's unfamiliar to you, but Louisa,
0: yeah. So it's funny, actually. There is a newer restaurant called Fat Fat, P-H-A-T, P-H-A-T, uh, opened in Schaumburg by the owners of Imperial lamyan here in Chicago. They have a great video of that on their social media pages, and it's hilarious, actually. So it's basically like you've got a big platter salad, and everybody's got chopsticks, and you kind of get in there, and you toss it, and you toss it, and toss it. And then, like, <laughs> a lot of it ends up like all over the table, but it's huge fun, and I think they have a special deal on that right now for just the holiday. But uh, you can find Find certain dishes like that only available during the next couple of weeks. So do check around. Maybe Monica and I can toss in toss and toss and see how <laughs> yeah. good, good our luck gets. <laughs> Alan, thanks
1: so much for that call. So how are the two of you going to spend the Lunar New Year celebrations? Any particular activities you have planned, Monica?
2: Well, you're supposed to pay off all your debts and clean your house mm. uh, by midnight. And then at midnight, open up your windows to let all the bad stuff out and let the good year in. So I'll be doing some of that. <laughs> what about
1: you,
0: Louisa? Eating. I'm going to be getting takeout <laughs> and lots of it, especially dumplings, and uh, bringing it over and celebrating with my mom and dad who are um, 85 years old, so lucky to be celebrating with them another Lunar New Year Year of the Rat this year.
1: Are there particular celebrations that seem to be specific to Chicago?
0: I think that really now it's really that the Chicago institutions that are outside of Chinatown have really embraced it. So, you know, I think that seeing cultural landmarks like the Cultural Center
1: observing Chinese New Year, like
0: Navy Pier, is, um, you know, kind of puts a unique uh, setting and twist on it.
1: Well, since I have you here, I have to ask about your next food adventure. Anything on the horizon? Mm-hmm. So I'm checking out a series of
0: new restaurants that are opening here in Chicago. Here's what's interesting now. A trend coming up Chinese American restaurants that are being opened by non Chinese people as well as Chinese people who have been raised here. And so that's becoming now a huge trend. So I'm going to be um, scoping
2: those out for some stories, maybe reviews at the Tribune coming up soon.
1: Monica, Culinary News, you're keeping your eye
2: on? Oh, I'm knee deep in 20, uh, turn of the century Chicago restaurants, uh, lamb's tongue, pickled herring, turtle soup, and, um, and celery as a, as a prestigious dish in itself
1: celery? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> celery was almost as
2: much as shrimp cocktail, and it was something that if you were eating high-end, you would have that as your as your appetizer.
1: Okay, well, you'll both have to come back and tell us what you find. That's WBEZ reporter Monica Ng and Chicago Tribune Food and Dining reporter Louisa Chu. Monica, Louisa, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. And that's your Sunday Reset. If we make you hungry, head out to any number of the Lunar New Year celebrations happening today and for the next several weeks in and around Chicago. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend. And let's talk again soon.